This episode of Channel Mind News is for information only. Please do your own research before making any investment decision or alternatively seek advice from a registered financial advisor. G'day ladies and gents, Paddy Michael here for another dose of Channel Mine News, the daily mining news for your ears. Hope you're all having a good week. We're getting to the back end, very exciting stuff. So today, I'm going to go into a bit of West Gold and a bit of sub-level caving. West Gold put out an announcement yesterday about their Bluebird operations, uh, record quarterly haulage for that. They're expanding that. They're having a bit of a, a bit of a rebuild, West Gold. West Gold 2.0, they call it. They've essentially getting rid of a lot of their smaller shows and focusing on expanding their bigger mines. Being hampered by the increased costs of labour, especially the increased costs of diesel. Open pits, some of the open pits that they're running are very highly diesel intensive. A lot of haul, a lot of dirt, low grade, a lot of diesel to be used. So they are impacted by that and across their operations. And it costs a lot more to run a smaller underground mine per ton and meters that you're producing than a big underground mine where there's a lot happening and you're getting a bit more bang for buck for your infrastructure. Now look, West Gold been a bit of a serial underperformer. The dollar fourteen this morning, they were up around two bucks seventy late two thousand and twenty, market cap of five hundred and forty million. So definitely not a big flavour in the gold scene. Their costs have been rising. Twenty twenty one they produced at fourteen and eleven. Uh, dollars, dollars an ounce, all in sustaining cost. Uh, FY22, they produced at 16.92 an ounce, all in sustaining cost. And their forecast for the for FY23, based on the industry ride inflationary and supply chain pressures, uh, 240 to 260,000 ounces at an all in sustaining cost of 1,900 to 2,100. So that they're going well up the cost curve, and hence why they're having this bit of a West, uh, West, not West bloody field, West Gold 2.0 to reduce these costs and get better bang for buck on less operations. So they want Big Bell, they want that to be feeding the Tuckabiana Mill, which is a 1.4 million tonne per annum. Uh, so that's why they're looking to ramp Big Bell up. And we're going to go into Big Bell and caving in a bit. They've got the Bluebird Mill, which they've got Patty's Flat and Bluebird to feed, and they're expanding Bluebird to supersede Patty's Flat as the bigger ton producer. Then they've also got the one out at Fortnum, so that's a 900,000 uh, ton per annum operation. So a bit going on, bit of a bit of a rebuild for the company. Now, I want to go into oh – wait, they had some pretty good hits for Bluebird, 36 metres at 5 grams a tonne at that – was not true. That's not true width because it's down a bit deeper. Eight meters at nine grams, ten meters at seven grams. So pretty thick, decent intersections, and that is what's going to be aiding this expansion. So I wanted to get into sublevel caving. Uh, everyone hears about Big Bell, real seismic, yada yada, and it is a sublevel cave. Wanted to go into a bit of uh, a bit of the science design, how sublevel cave works, and because Big Bell are conducting a scoping study looking at starting a second mining front under their cave that is going to be long hole open stoping to get two mining fronts going to get more out, get more ore out and to feed this Tuckabiana 1.4 million tonne mill. 
Now, why choose a cave mine? Who who does cave mines? Let's go through it. Now, a cave mine usually usually requires a pretty big ore body with a wide foot, footprint, but not in this case. We'll go through that. Relatively vertical makes it a lot easier, though. The Ernest Henry sublevel cave over in, I think that's Mount Isa, that's at 45 degrees, and we'll go over why that becomes a problem with stress. Now, for the ore, it can be like a big porphyry ore body. You could have multiple veins of gold, for instance, all lined up, and you mine it as essentially all in one unit and take the waste with it. Um, looking at Big Bell, looking at the cross section, the ore body looks about on the level as 30 metres wide, which you would consider a thin cave mine. Telfer, for example, they had, from memory, that about 70-odd ore drives in one level at about you know 20 metre centerline. So they've got over one kilometre wide of the actual ore body and then probably 100, 200 metres to the back of to the back of it. So that's a that's a cave on a, a, a much, much bigger scale. So a, for a big sub-level cave like the Telfer one, for instance, where you've got ore drives just lined up, you develop the entire level with the ore drives of 20 metre centre lines usually, uh, as in that one was. I'm not sure what other mines are. You develop it, start at one end, develop every drive, Get to the end. Get to the other end, the abutment, the slot drives, and then you connect it all. Connect it all up so you've got your big, your big grid essentially. Now, once that's started, you fire your slot rise at the back. That starts the void of the cave at that level, and you essentially fire one ring at a time from the centre of the cave and retreat back in an echelon pattern across the whole length of that level. And that echelon pattern is what. Uh, ensures the correct draw of the dirt through the cave and for stresses and everything as well. Now, the benefit of caving, you don't need to backfill. Everything just caves above it. So you work top down through the ore body and the waste above the ore body just caves and you end up with a sinkhole on the surface. And that is the one of the main advantages is that you don't need to leave pillars. So you're getting pretty close to a lot of the uh, a lot of the ore extracted you don't need to backfill it and once it's all going it becomes a a pretty big rock factory a pretty high ton operation slightly manually intensive for the charging because you can only fire one ring at a time otherwise you don't recover the ore so when i say one ring the production drill holes they'll be say two and a half three three and a half meters apart in the in the rings if you fire two of them the back end of it because you can't bog past the brow because you get stopped by the cave because you're a crush fire and that against the cave. There's no void in front like a conventional open stope. You lose the back end of the ore there. You don't get to actually bog that out. So you can only fire one ring at a time, crush fire it against the cave and bog that. Now, there's a massive science and modelling that goes into cave science, cave and drawing and everything. When you, when you start the cave up the top, you might... Say if you fire 5,000 tonne, you might only be able to bog, don't quote me on numbers, but a very lower percentage of that 5,000, you can't bog the whole thing. So you, they call that the draw. You might only get 50% draw. But as the cave, you progress down the levels and at the point, depending on the modelling, is how much uh, you might be at, you'll end up start bogging the more than you actually fire because that all that dirt that you've fired previous in the other level starts flowing down the bottom because if you bog too much you end up bogging the waste that is caved in from the the crown of the actual ore body you start bogging that and that dilutes everything and you end up bogging bloody waste essentially
Now, we're ready before to get the cave started. You go to the back, the abutment, the slot drive. Usually chuck a one meter by one meter box hole in with a raised ball drilling up vertically. When, and that that's your initial firing, you fire into that to start the slot drive, progress it back and then start retreating your cave. So every cave is a different shape. Uh, and everything so this was this is a very simple explanation now when you're doing the jumbo development of these abutment drives at the edge of the cave the slot drives which are on the the hanging wall of the ore body when they're approaching breakthrough to complete the link that's when there's the most ground pressure in the cave because uh, the stress is going out the side of the the cave and being distributed around the corners and that's the essentially the extremities of the stress stress shadow I've had one personally scale on the face of a slot drive that was approaching, I think it was about 10 metres from breakthrough, so all the stress was concentrated on that 10 metres of rock. Scaling away, face ejects, big bloody rocks. Lucky I was in a closed cab jumbo, completely smashed the window. Goes off like a bloody army tank cannon. There's, some, there's a bit of underground war stories for you. So, yeah, that's what happens in that area, and that's why an angled cave like the Ernest Henry one I talked about before is not ideal because the slot drive is, if you're looking at the plan view, is offset outside. So it might be 15, 20 metres outside of the level above. So that is the point where the stress is being redistributed around the edge of the cave and hence that would have even higher stress than a slot drive that is vertically under the, under the cave. So something to consider there. Now, caves, they've been around for ages. Who minds them? Newcrest, they've uh, they've had sub-level caves at Telfer, Ridgeway. Ridgeway was at, at the Cadia Valley. Now, Cadia Valley is a block cave. That's a bit, a lot more upfront capital intensity because you have to develop the whole mine down to, you don't develop all the intermediate levels, but you've essentially got to decline all the way down to the bottom of the ore body um, and mine an extraction level and an undercut level before you can actually start producing. So you've got to develop the whole thing before you start getting revenue. That's why they're very highly capital intensive and only the big the big wigs doing. But once it's gone, it's essentially just a massive rock factory that pays for itself. I think the all in sustaining costs are usually negative because once they take into account the uh, copper credits for the gold or vice versa, it actually puts them in the negative. Where sub-level cave, you can actually start producing from that first level because there is jumbo development for the whole oil body all the way down. It's exactly the same as development as a long oil open stoping. It's just a different extraction method. So yeah, top-down approach, but a lot more jumbo development compared to a block cave. Now these, but these drives are in the ore body that you're developing. So you would argue that development would semi-pay for itself, you could say, but you do have to put all the ground support in. Now, some other caves mentioned Ridgeway, Telfar, Mount Charlotte in Kalgoorlie. So if you drive past the the road along KCGM, you'll see a conveyor just dropping all the waste rock over the edge into a big hole next to the road. That is the sinkhole from the Mount Charlotte sublevel cave. Uh, you had Maggie Hayes, that's a nickel one at Lake Johnson, which is, I think, Poseidon have got that tenement now, so they'll be um, uh, exploring around that area. Carapatina for Oz Minerals. Ernest Henry mentioned before. Perseverance for Leinster, another very highly seismic mine, uh, That's and that's getting pretty deep. That's well below a kilometre, I'm pretty sure. Mount Lyle in Tasmania. Uh, 29 metals there, Capricorn Copper Mine in North Queensland, formerly known as Mount Gordon and Gunpowder. So, yeah, big now Big Bell's Cave, 
Uh, now, I'm pretty sure that was a cave before it went into care and maintenance as well. Now, it looks a bit different from what I can see on the announcements. It is due to the high seismicity there, and that's this is another one that has very high seismicity. They've uh, and I talked about this in the Gualia when I spoke about St. Barbara and Gualia about the stress at depth, the whole top-down centre-out method. Now, it looks like they've from the decline, they've got accesses going to either end of the ore body and meeting in the centre. So instead of uh, retreating uh, from either end to the centre, which for that centre would be absolutely loading up with uh, stress and seismicity there, approached it from either end and they're retreating from the center out which is the the best geotechnical way to control your stress in underground mining is work from the center and retreat backwards so you're not retreating towards a central a central pillar now to to get a cave started it's a big thing like i think it's a it's a lot of um it's a bit of a technical nightmare. I haven't started one personally, but this is what the announcement said. And what's happening at Big Bell, if you look in the announcement, there's a big pegmatite dike running through the Big Bell cave at around 700 metres depth. Well, I wonder if there's any lithium in that pegmatite. I'll be interested to know. Now, and the announcement says it's barren, so that which means it contains no gold. So they could either mine this pegmatite dike with the cave and accept the dilution which is not favorable a lot of a lot of work for less gold that'll considerably drop the drop the grade or they can skip past it leave it as a big pillar and start another cave which as i said is a technical challenge or they can start a long hole open stoping mine below the cave which is a lot simpler to actually do because you don't need to rely on getting the cave propagating and then if they restarted a cave with that big pillar in there. That pillar would give way and then you'd lose access to the what's above it. So there's a, there's, I assume that is the technical drama with the whole thing. And long hole open stoping, most conventional ore extraction method for underground mining. So what there, and how would this work? So looking at that ore body, you'd, you'd to mine an open stope, you, you essentially create on the big, Big ore bodies like a 20 meter by 20 meter, could be 25 meters high. So the base is 20 by 20. The bigger you go, the more unstable the hanging wall becomes, a bigger hydraulic radius. So think of that as a 3D shape. That's what you call a stope. 20 by 20, but a big bloody rectangle looking thing. And the geotechnical engineers have their uh, time to shine when they put restrictions on how big you can make them to for hanging wall integrity, which affects the dilution. So there's all that side of things. Now, once you fire that block out, you bog it clean and it's all a big open hole. Unlike a cave, you're firing it into a big massive void. But then, and what they're going to do at Big Bell is backfill it and and that will be either via, didn't specify, but it will be via either paste fill or cemented hydraulic fill or cemented rock fill, different, different ways to do it. And then once you fill it, you fill that void back up with essentially a cement you can mine next to it and under it whereas if you don't fill it up you just got a big massive hole and you just can't operate you can't walk anywhere now when you're running long oil open stoping and filling the overall production rate will be i'll put me bottom dollar on it will be slower because once you mine that block you then have to stop build uh bulkhead walls like shotcrete walls on the bottom once that's set up, you've got to pour the paste in or pour the cemented hydraulic fill in or whatever, fill the whole thing up, which takes a lot of time. That's We're talking like a big, big, massive, you figure out how many cubes is a 20 by 20 by 25. 
10,000 metres cube. So you've got three days to build a wall and spray it and let it cure. Then at, let's say, numbers that were at De Grusa were about 1,300 to 1,500 metres cubed of paste poured per day. So three days plus another seven to fill it. There's a curing time and you need to cure it for, I think it was 48 hours before you can fire next to it because if it wasn't cured properly, the whole thing would bloody would fall over and dilute the next type. So yeah, and then then you start, um, you can be drilling and everything and have stuff pre-drilled and but then you've got to finish drilling the adjacent stove and fire it and that's where whereas a sub-level cave you just continuously fire in one ring at a time in multiple places and it's uh very very much easier to get the dirt out of the ore body now depending on the infrastructure setup depending on what they are going to do but if you're going to be doing paste or hydraulic fill it requires a plant to be constructed on the surface that will be usually fed by something like mill tailings uh, and cement that's trucked up from Perth to make the fill. There will be surface boreholes and pipe reticulation to be put in. So you've got to get that paste or hydraulic fill from the surface all the way down to the 700 metres below the surface, 800 metres, kilometre to where you actually need it. So there's uh, boreholes that go from the surface then you've got to be running steel reticulation all through the underground mine to divert that down the whole whole way that's run by an entire crew pace crew usually run the whole thing because you're always diverting stuff depending on where you're filling stopes that's the pace so that's it's it might sound filling is a, an easy thing but it is far from that it's a lot of stuff to set up and maintain and does have its dramas Degrees is shut down now, so that's it's all good. We can talk about it. So essentially, the first day they went to pour paste there, the paste went down, and it wasn't the. It's a bit of a, it was. A, I'm not sure if it was a suck it and see, but it was a wasn't the ideal mixture, and it blocked the whole reticulation line. As soon as they went to pour it, it didn't come out the end. Once it's blocked, it sets. So we had to go along with essentially sledgehammers and every bloody jumbo or solo rig to rattle all this paste and flush it. Like you had to, then you had to put high pressure water down to flush it out bit by bit to clean that whole line. So it can go horribly wrong. Now, the other way to fill it is using an underground loader and waste backfill. So you, there's a thing called CRF, cemented rock fill. Sounds flash. It's essentially blown up waste from your decline or any access drives mixed with a heap of bloody cement. So you need, for that, you need a dedicated underground loader. You need an adji to be bringing five cubes of cement down from the surface, need your truck tipping. So the venge of that, you get to, don't have to haul your waste to the surface. You get to actually tip it at the bottom of the mine. So you do save on some TKMs there. But then the bogger will mix, you pretty much make a little benched area, add your backs in, dumps five cubes of cement. You throw four buckets of waste in there, mix it up like a cake, and then you dump that into the stope. So when I said you can fill up, say, 1,500 cubes of paste a day with the paste fill method, doing this method, you'd be, God, you'd be probably lucky to get 500. I'm sure there's some record holders out there, but consistently to get 500 cubes, it's a, so it's a lot slower and it's a, it requires a lot more, uh, oh, I guess, intermediate capital to bring extra machinery and stuff to make it happen. And you can't actually fill it up unless you, because you'll never have, probably never have, top access like a big borehole to fill it from the center because you'll be filling it from the edge and it'll just be rilled at 45 degrees so you either have to move the tip head forward uh to 
then fill it up. So it's, it's very hard to actually fill it. It's usually done as a bit of a supplementary fill along with paste. But yeah, to actually fill it up properly, you need to be dropping it right in the center from the level above. But if you're doing a top-down stoping method, uh, you will not actually have access to do that because the level above will be a stope. So there's the long section looking at the big bell one. It says there's four years of cave stocks and three years of additional caving. So that looks like there's looks like there's seven years of that cave left. Then they're going to develop un past that dike and they've got about 10 years of long hole open stoping at depth. But now remember, as depth increases, so does heat and so does ground pressure and seismicity. Now leaving a pillar between the cave and the open stoping front, it'll create a bit of a stress shadow from the cave above but as you get deeper and past it that stress will as i said redistribute around that pillar and uh start you know causing some seismicity dramas and especially when voids start opening up so it's definitely something to consider and as and we're getting it's getting past the sort of one kilometer mark going down for that long i'll open stope and there there becomes you coupled with the seismicity is the uh issue of actually getting the dirt out of the hole which you see is the biggest problem at gualia in addition to the seismicity as to for hoover house it is quicker for them to truck dirt out of ulysses load it onto a haul truck drive it up the road to the gualia mill in leonora then actually trucking it from the bottom of gualia all the way out it's quicker to do that so that was a little fun fact to learn so it shows the power of depth when you're at 1800 meters, very challenging. So there you go, so there's a bit of uh, Cave 101. So keep an eye out for what the scoping study comes out with, how they're gonna fill the stopes down the bottom. Um, I would assume they would not, and I didn't say it said they were gonna use fill because they could leave pillars between they could leave pillars between the stoves, but that means you're losing ore from underground. When you've gone down that far to get the ore out, you wanna be getting 100% extraction from the ore body. So there you go, bit of sub-level cave 101, very, very basic. I'm sure there's some people that have worked for Newcrest in uh, in the cave department that have some very technical know-how about this. So I probably haven't done you justice, but pretty good overview. If you do wanna know a bit more about what a cave is, uh, go onto YouTube, I'll put the links in the notes. The Epiroc do a video of how a sub-level cave works, an animated one. I think they've got ones about open stoping and block cave as well i'd assume so that gives you a good idea of how it actually works instead of listening to me try and tell you explain it verbally so right everyone stay safe out there especially if you're in a cave Uru.